March 30th, 2019. This is a picture of Howie and I on the flight home from Oklahoma City. John Finley testified that he had illegally transported tigers a hundred times. Between Finley's statement and James Garretson testifying that in 20 years of dealing in tigers, not once had he seen a USDA transfer papers marked with anything other than, quote, donation, because everyone knew that's what you have to do to cover your tracks. I think this may have been the most important evidence that our current regulating system doesn't work. I'd like to figure out a way to put USDA and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on trial for their part in making it so easy for backyard breeders and dealers to ply their trade at tremendous cost to U.S. taxpayers. From what I know, government agencies are pretty well insulated from being held accountable for their negligence, so trying them in the court of public opinion might be the only option. After getting more than 47,000 comments from the public, largely due to our requests, USDA posted on March 22, 2019, that they seek further comment on some of the most negligent areas of USDA's past enforcement. I think they saw the handwriting on the wall with this trial and wanted to get out ahead of it. And I gave the link to the document. This is their summary. We are proposing to amend the licensing requirements under the Animal Welfare Act regulations to promote compliance, reduce licensing fees, and strengthen existing safeguards that prevent individuals and businesses who have a history of noncompliance from obtaining a license or working with regulated animals. This action will reduce regulatory burden with respect to the licensing and will be more efficient and will more efficiently ensure licensees sustain compliance with the act. Originally, USDA came up with a dumb idea to see if the public would support the idea of eliminating inspections of facilities and allowing accrediting bodies and clubs to determine if their members were in compliance. You just can't make this stuff up. <sighs> Given the extremely low standards of the Zoological Association of America, we had to speak out against it even though AZA and GFAS would have had much higher standards and enforcement than USDA. It wasn't long before USDA figured out that no one liked that idea. One of our primary objections to USDA's licensing that we use in our talking points all the time is that you can get licensed and inspected to have pets like hamsters and then bring in lions and tigers with no further inspection to see if the facility is appropriate first. It's validating to see USDA say, quote, the current regulations also do not require a licensee to demonstrate compliance when the licensee makes any subsequent changes to his or her animals or facilities, including noteworthy changes in the number or type of animals used in the regulated activity. For example, a licensee who obtained a license after demonstrating compliance with the standards for his or her rabbit breeding facility that would be in subpart C of part three, may subsequently acquire and deal or exhibit any number of dangerous animals, such as tigers, bears, and elephants, without first demonstrating compliance with the applicable standards for those animals, subpart F of part three. Yeah, that's what we said. Another huge issue is that when someone has broken the law so many times that USDA finally sues them and revokes their license, typically this takes well over six years while the animals suffer, they just have to have a friend or family member get a license and nothing changes. USDA now says, quote, 
In this proposed rule, we are, propo we are proposing review. Now USDA says, quote, in this proposed rule, we are proposing revisions to the licensing requirements to promote compliance, reduce licensing fees and burdens, and strengthening, strengthening existing safeguards that prevent individuals and businesses who are unfit to hold a license, such as any individual whose license has been suspended or revoked, or who has a history of noncompliance, from obtaining a license or working with regulated animals." Unquote. Yeah, that's what we said. USDA went on to say, quote, on the proposed topic of strengthening existing prohibitions for persons with suspended or revoked licenses, including restricting individuals whose licenses have been suspended or revoked from working for other regulated entities, the majority of commenters expressed broad support for this proposal. Specific comments related to this topic included requiring business owners to provide proof of identity and employee list to APHIS on an annual basis, creating a grading system for violations and their consequences, and increasingly public available data related to those with violations related to animal mistreatment or neglect. We appreciate these comments and have set forth specific provisions for public comment in this proposed rule. Many commenters expressed a general criticism of current USDA enforcement of the Animal Welfare Act and regulations. Such criticism often also extended to the lack of transparency of documentation that is available to the public regarded alleged Animal Welfare Act violators." Unquote. Today I submitted the following to USDA at that above link. Thank you for taking into consideration the 47,000 comments on these rule changes. Even though you said all but 8,500 were, quote, form letters, unquote, USDA should not diminish their impact because clearly these people care about the situation and agree with the sample letter they submitted. There should be no difference in the weight of a personalized comment and one that follows form because most people using a form letter do so to ensure they are making exactly the right statements that would protect animals from continued abuse by USDA licensees. They wouldn't want their lack of understanding of some nuance to have an unexpected negative impact on animals, so they stick to the talking points provided by organizations they can trust. Throughout your document, you show your intent to make this a three-year renewal, but that isn't acceptable. It just means animals will languish in torment for three years, often a quarter of their lives, before USDA takes any action at all. While that is half the time USDA currently takes, it's nowhere near good enough. If licensees knew they had to come in with, into compliance within 12-month time frame each year, they would take better care of their animals and facilities. That makes everyone happier, except those who hope to evade any restriction on their abusive practices. USDA is absolutely correct to eliminate the ability for those who lose their license to work under someone else's license. Since there is no way USDA has the funding to actually monitor this, it should be required that an accurate list of all officers, agents, and employees of licensees be made available to the public. It is only through public scrutiny that animal abuse typically is discovered or investigated. If people have nothing to hide, there should be no reason that these relationships should be hidden from the public. 
I agree that eliminating the terms intending to and intends to from 2.1 would greatly reduce the public's ability to use USDA license as a way to evade state bans on the private possession of dangerous wild animals. That has been a huge problem. As people know, it is currently ridiculously easy to get a USDA license and nearly impossible to lose it. USDA should clarify what information and records demonstration that the applicant has adequate knowledge of and experience must include. Just a statement by the licensee or an affidavit from their cronies should not constitute such knowledge and experience. This documentation should require dates, times, witnesses, and other actual evidence of such experience. Later in this same section, you mention, quote, and animals that are fed by the public, unquote. The practice of allowing visitors to feed animals they have no training, knowledge, or experience in feeding is the crux of the problem. It serves no legitimate purpose and is responsible for the vast majority of breeding in order to have baby animals to exploit. USDA should ban all public feeding of licensed animals, and your jobs would be made exceedingly easier to do. The side benefit is that animal suffering caused by USDA licensees would be greatly reduced. I agree that licensees should have to report, comma, or, quote, plea of nola contendra, no contest, or finding of violation of federal, state, or local laws or regulations pertaining to any animal cruelty or the transportation, ownership, neglect, or welfare of animals, unquote. Failure to report within 30 days should be cause for immediate revocation of their license. I agree with USDA's proposals to amend paragraph A2 to expand this paragraph to combine it with the existing restrictions on the issuance of licenses from existing 2.5D. I also agree with USDA's proposed paragraph B2 that wild animals should not be automatically added to domestic animal license and that the licensee should be able to show compliance for the maximum number of animals in their care at any given time. While USDA is planning to make this a three-year license, I think $120 is a fair fee for the annual license that it should be. I really don't like the idea that those in violation of the Animal Welfare Act can rely on a conditional license until such time as the ALJ rules, given the fact that such actions take far too long. But I do understand the need to protect licensees from the fact that many USDA inspectors don't know the rules. Perhaps a number of direct violations in a given two to three year period is the only way to separate an occasional infraction that has been misreported from a pattern of continued disregard for animal welfare. Even though you spell out timeframes that these cases must be heard, we know from experience that cases are frequently not brought at all or are settled for minimal fines just to deal with the extensive caseload. I heartily endorse USDA's proposal to amend 2.10, quote, licensees whose licenses have been suspended or revoked, adding languages in paragraphs A, B, and C to require that persons with suspended or revoked license shall not be registered as an exhibitor, research facility, carrier, or intermediate handler, in addition to not being licensed with the period during which the order of suspension or revocation is in effect. In paragraph C, we would add that any person whose license has been suspended or revoked shall not buy, sell, transport, exhibit, or deliver for transportation any animal during the period of suspension or revocation under any circumstances, whether on behalf of themselves or another, unquote. 
I do not agree with USDA's proposal to amend 2.38, which is referred to as miscellaneous, by eliminating the statement that APHIS will publish lists of research facilities in the Federal Register. While I agree that these should be more easily accessed on USDA's website, we have seen USDA purposely hide such information, and even when it is available, and even when it is available, it is so impossible to find that it renders the posting useless. USDA should make all public records public without yielding to political pressure to hide the abusers, without yielding to political pressure to hide the abuses inherent in the animal use industry. I have no expertise in dogs and thus am not commenting on these sections other than to implore that there be an increased level of transparency as to what happens to them and increase protection against their abuse. Cost reductions are a big deal, and if USDA were to take the position that speed breeding big cats, ripping cubs from their mothers, and allowing public contact are in fact a violation of the Animal Welfare Act, the costs of administrating the licensing of backyard breeders and roadside zoos would be much more dramatically reduced than just these few changes that have been proposed. USDA has still failed to rule on a petition filed in 2012, where more than 15,000 people agreed to the 70-page petition submitted by animal welfare groups and big cat vets, and then I gave the URL for that. Their URL for that. In case this was before your time, I have included the petition again. Seven years is far too long for this to have been ignored. Thousands of big cats have suffered and died due to failure to rule on this in a timely manner. They're supposed to rule within three years. Attached is the 2014 updated petition as well. Thank you for your time. I hope USDA will make meaningful changes that result in better compliance with the Animal Welfare Act. And when I'm talking about a petition here, it's not like a signature petition. This was 70 pages of citations and uh, quote quotations from experts and veterinarians, big cat veterinarians, about why cub petting should be banned. It's like a, when they refer to petition, it's like a legal memo. Yeah, here we are all, all these years later and they still haven't made most of these changes.